happened quite a few years ago. I was about eight years old, and we had a drag boat, and my mom and my father and my two brothers and myself went to an island um, down on the Sacramento River, and we set up our beach area, and my father and oldest brother took the boat and went to pick up some of my brother's friends, and at that time, you had to have life jackets on, not only in the boat, but you had to wear them at the time, and so we didn't have any life jackets with us. And I was a strong swimmer. I swam on the swim team in Rosemont, and I was jumping off the edge of the water, broad jumping into the, into the water, and the current caught me and pulled me out. And, of course, I panicked, and um, I went down. I was pulled under by the undertow. And there was approximately 12 other people that were sitting on the beach or this island, and my mother didn't know how to swim, and she started calling out to them for someone to help, and no one moved. I guess they didn't want to get involved. And she cried, and she said, you know, I don't know how to swim. My daughter's in, in trouble. And at this time, my brother ran out to help me. And the instincts for survival, I grabbed a hold of him and pulled him down. And then my mother just ran out, and she said, God, if they're going to die, I want to die with them. And so we're all out there floundering, and she knew how to tread water. That was it. And two, life, two lifeguards showed up from Folsom Lake, and we were down on the Sacramento River. And they pulled me out first. I'd been under three times, my brother twice and my mother once. And they pulled Tim out after me, and then they went up to my mom, and they said, you know, you're not afraid. And she said, no, you know, I know Jesus. And as they pulled us all out and we were safe, they weren't anywhere to be found. We couldn't thank them. No one saw them come, and no one saw them leave. And I just know today that they were two angels. They were big and strong. I remember that. I guess that's, that's pretty much how they've always appeared, big, strong men, I guess. But praise God. Thank you. I'd like my angel to come for just a moment. Uh, I just thought it would be good for me to ask you if there have been times when we have felt the presence of angels, would you like to tell us about it? Yes. <laughs> when our sons were little boys, I would say two and three, three and four, something like that. We traveled one night in a borrowed car from Maple Valley, Washington to Tacoma to visit family, and we had to return back to Maple Valley about 45 minutes away late at night, and we had our 12-year-old niece with us. This borrowed car was a little coupe, and so it was my husband, myself, and my niece, one little boy sound asleep across our laps, one little boy on the floorboard, sound asleep at our feet. And that was before the day, you, you think it's terrible, but we, there were no seat belts in cars. And, you know, they, they were just, we were just all jammed up in the front of this little car. It was a borrowed car. And as we came late at night down a long hill, my husband suddenly realized there were no brakes. And... Uh, I remember that he was, he was trying to gear down and he was trying to get the emergency brake on and all of a sudden we were off the road and I saw tall grass in front of the headlights and all we could do was just be calling on the name of the Lord, just calling on Jesus. I mean, it was an emergency. It was, it was, so, it was so frightening. And we don't know how we got around this curb because at the bottom of this hill was a direct left turn. And the next, we were so frightened when it was over with, my niece was just crying and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing, and I was trying to comfort her. But the next day, my husband went back to look, and there was a telephone pole there, and he, we honestly don't know how we possibly could have survived, and I'm thinking all these years later about that incident and how 
You know, the enemy wanted to snuff out several lives that night. Several lives could have been, we could have been all snuffed into eternity. It was that desperate. And God intervened, and I believe that he, he turned that car somehow, didn't he? Don't you remember that? You went back, and what did you find? I think he picked it up and moved it and then moved it and brought it to a stop because there was no way that I could do it. It was an impossibility. And the reason it was a borrowed car was because I loaned mine to your brother. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a coincidence. We were being good Samaritans, helping him look for a job at the time. But when I think about these two little boys who are now young men and, and who serve God in the ministry, and even ourselves. You know, that was at a time when we could never foresee the mighty things that God was going to do in, in my husband's ministry. And uh, so I believe in angels. I just thank God. And, and like Lisa's song said, how many times we do not know when we are protected. But, oh, Angels all around. We need to, to be aware that there is a powerful force, and they are mighty strong angels that are protecting us. That incident just came back to me with such power today as I was thinking about angels. Thank you. And how many of you can remember some time in your life when there really was no way other than intervention? Yes, I believe that with all my heart. We're going to talk about angels tonight, and I thank you for being here, and then we're going to introduce to you some wonderful people who have come through our membership class, and we're going to conclude with a wonderful time at the communion table. In your New King James Bible, you have in the back what we call a concordance, an area where you can find words quite rapidly that are in the Bible, and it's very, very helpful when your mind doesn't quite get the scripture, can't bring it back where it's found, sometimes it's very helpful to go into the back. And in the back of the New King James Bible, you will find under angels quite a number of scripture references. It's on page 1408 in mine, if you have the same copy that I have, and many of you do. Angels, everywhere from Job to Revelation, kind of nice just to review some of these scriptures. Psalm 8, 5, he created us a little lower than the angels. That means they're a little higher than we are, right? Psalm 8. Psalm 148, verse 2, praise him all his angels. Matthew 4, 6, give his angels charge over you. Matthew 13, 49, angels will come forth. Angels always see the face of God. Matthew 22, 30, but are like angels. On down, talks about the presence of the angels. I love the one in Matthew 26, 53, where Jesus said, Do you not know that my Father would send 12 legions of angels if I would just call upon him? Now, how many is in a legion? Six thousand? Is that good enough? Just multiply that by 12, and you've got a host. That's the way the Bible speaks of them most of the time, a host, a heavenly host, a big crowd of angels. With his mighty angels, he's coming back, 2 Thessalonians 1.7. Hebrews 1.4 speaks about Jesus being much better than the angels, so there's one higher than the angels. Then we have angels and then we have man. Hebrews 12, 22, we have a company of angels. 2 Peter 2, 4, he did not spare the angels. Jude 6, the angels who did not keep their place were cast out. Of course, with their leader, Lucifer, in Revelation 12, 7, speaks of Michael and his angels. Well, I just wanted to draw that to your attention so that you could do a little reference work on your own. We don't have time tonight to go very 
broadly with this, but I do want to give you enough that you can take with you and believe that God has assigned angels to those who follow him and even to nations of this earth. Could I come at this, first of all, from a little negative bent, now feeling that you do know the reality of angels, that there are such creatures of God around us, I would like to come from the negative side and then move into the positive, the negative being biblical warnings regarding angelic visitations. Did you know there are warnings about angelic visitations in the Scripture? I want to get that out of the way because I like the other better. But I would not be fair to you if I did not talk to you for just a moment about the warnings. Now, your Bible will be helpful to you. Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. You can find these passages quickly or at least write them down or you can pick up the tape because it's being recorded and is available even after the service. Galatians 1, 8 reads, But even if we, now listen, or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Now there's one of the biblical warnings about angels. Today we are in a society that has all kinds of mystical things happening. I just want to send out this word of warning that it could be in the minds of some that an angel would be preaching some gospel. I have books in my library, which I will not identify because I'm not here to put anybody down. I know some of these people, but I cannot subscribe to some of the things they have written. They have said, this seems to be beyond the written revelation because it came from a so-called angelic visitation. That, my friends, must come under this warning in Galatians 1.8. Even if they appear as an angel of heaven but preach some other gospel, and I might add, add to it or even take from it, then you know they are not sent from God. Second warning is in 2 Corinthians 11. It's just back one page. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. Let me back up to verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Satan comes to us not in a red suit with a pitchfork in his hand with ugliness, but he comes to us as an angel of light. The Bible speaks of that more than once. And we are warned here in the Scripture to beware. He does not come cloak and dagger. He sometimes comes in beauty. He makes things appear differently than they really are. He disguises himself. The Revised Standard Version says he disguises himself. Taking that word transforms, he disguises himself into an angel of light. That's a warning. There is another warning in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4, verse number 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. See if they are of God. It is amazing 
how many people who have been in evangelical churches, who have had good Bible teaching, have gone after these so-called prophets or supernatural beings as they present themselves, even representing themselves on the outside as gods themselves. And people who should know better go after them. There is another, 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, Paul writing to his young son in the faith, Chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, verse 1, reminds him, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now you see what these warnings are about are about these spirits that can come to us as angels, can come to us as light, but they are actually coming to us to bring darkness and to bring bondage. And the Bible says they are seducing or misleading spirits. Now, will you accept that as warning before we move to the good stuff? Just so you don't throw the door wide open and say, well, whatever has an angel word connected to it's got to be good. It may not be good. Well, how do you know? You make sure it does not contradict the book. There is in 1 Corinthians 12... Nine gifts, and one of them is the gift of discernment. God puts little warnings inside of his people, and you ought to pay attention to those warning signals. When something raises the hair on the back of your head, you feel something crawling around inside of you, it's a warning. It's a warning. Pay attention to the warning that the Holy Spirit wants to give us. These are biblical warnings regarding nothing less than angelic visitations. Remember, there is always the false with the true. The devil always has a counterfeit. He is the greatest counterfeiter in the universe. And he always presents us the false when there is the truth. Now, having said that, I feel better and want to move to what I think you came to hear tonight. Secondly, we affirm, after biblical warnings about false angelic visitations, we affirm that angels may be experienced. We believe that. Angels may be experienced. I do not have time tonight to take you through the Bible, Old and New Testaments, to show you the number of times there were recorded experiences by people with angels. But I could just mention to you that Abraham was visited on the plains of Mamre by angels, Jacob was visited by angels. Moses was visited by angels. Gideon had an experience with angels. Ezekiel had a powerful encounter with angels. Daniel was met and ministered to by angels and many more in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you don't read very far until you come across Zechariah who had a visitation from an angel. Mary was visited by an angel. We're going to read those words many times in coming weeks about Mary's visitation by an angel. And then there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Joseph 
was visited by angels. Jesus himself had angels come and minister to him in Matthew 4 when he came out of the wilderness after his encounter with the devil. The angels ministered to him. Shepherds saw them. The women at the tomb encountered them. The apostles at the ascension saw angels and heard angels say, this same Jesus will so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Peter, Philip, Cornelius, Paul, John, all had encounters with angels. The Bible is filled with such accounts. And I do not believe that the ministry of angels has ended. We may experience, as we have heard tonight, angels. Psalm 34, 7 is my favorite verse on angels. You know it. Maybe you don't know the reference, but I believe most of you could quote it. The angel of the Lord encamps where? Around about those who what? Fear him and, you know, notice, delivers them. I think that's what my wife was telling you tonight. I think that's what Lisa was telling you tonight. The angel of the Lord encamps, not up in the hills, but around those who fear God. And he delivers them. I don't know how many times I've been delivered, but I'm sure there are more times than I really know about that the angel of the Lord has been encamping round about me. That incident in the car, there was literally no way that we could have survived that unless some strong angel picked that car up, moved it around those curves, because at the speed I was going with no brakes, there was no way that that car could have survived that telephone pole and the bank and all the problems in front of us. Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, I guess would be my second most favorite passage about angels. I love Psalm 91 in its entirety, but verses 11 and 12 say, For he will give his angels charge over you to guard you in all your ways. Hallelujah. I need that. On their hands, on whose hands? On the angels' hands, they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. I want to just pause a moment to say a word to parents. We are living in troublesome times. We are living in a day of fear. And I do know that parents have reason to have perhaps more concern today about the safety of their children because of all these weirdos out there who are snatching kids from the streets off of school playgrounds, things we never thought of before as possibilities are happening in every neighborhood of America today. But I have a word for you tonight. You don't have to live in fear. And that's one reason I wanted to preach about angels tonight, because I wanted to leave a word with all of you fathers and mothers and grandparents. I do not fear what is going to happen to my grandchildren because the angels of the Lord guard them in all of their ways and on their hands they will be borne up lest they dash their foot against a stone. I believe that. I believe God's responsible for them. And when we can't be watching them, somebody is. Hallelujah. And I don't want you in fear and trembling to send them out to school in the morning. Send them out on Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. Send them out on Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear him and delivers them. In keeping with that, Matthew chapter 18, verse 10 has a word for all of us adults also. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus said that. Now I said on the radio, because I heard myself say it this morning, 
I tape these things often way in advance, and I don't remember what I say until I sometimes have the radio on. Did I say that? I said on the radio this morning that I would answer tonight whether or not we are assigned an angel when we are born. Did I say that? Well, here I am to tell you, yes, I believe that. And I believe it on the basis of Matthew 18.10. They're angels, T-H-E-I-R. He is talking about not despising these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven they're angels. Now, what could that mean? It could only mean that when we come into this world, God says, now, you angel, look after her. You look after him. I've got plans for him. I've got plans for her. And you just make sure that those plans come to pass. That's what angels do. And watching some of your kids up here tonight, they are going to be very, very busy. <laughs> I did not know that some of these kids had come into church tonight with ants in their pants, but it was obvious that they did. And aren't kids wonderful, though? They can do the most wonderful things at the most inopportune moment. But I have good news for you tonight. They have an angel, and oh, thank God for that. They have an angel that is watching over them. Hebrews 1.14, we went through this in our Hebrews study. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to serve for the sake of those who are to obtain salvation? What are angels doing? What are angels for? They're ministering spirits. Do you know how I see angels? I have been to Senate chambers, the various places in our society, in our government, and I have seen what they call pages. You know what pages are? They're these intellectual students who get these assignments. I never got one. They get to go into state houses and they serve elected officials. They do things for those who are elected to serve so that they don't have to run all over taking care of these incidental things. That's how I see angels. They're like pages. They are ministering spirits. They are moving about, fulfilling the desire of God and the mind of God for his people. Ministering spirits. Hebrews 12.22 says... But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. Fabulous. Hebrews 13, 2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now that's something worth looking at. You may be entertaining an angel and may not be aware of it unless you have a very sensitive spirit. In these contemporary times when we are very prone not to take time with others, it appears from Hebrews 13 too that God allows these angels to take bodily form on occasion to do special things for us and he says, you better be alert because you may be taking care of an angel unawares and it will be very special to you to take proper care of them. So that is under the heading of angels may be experienced. And I think it's rather exciting just to consider that section by itself. That angels are throughout the scriptures assigned to God's people and to the nations of the earth to help them, not to curse them, but to help them and to bring them lifting, healing power. Thirdly, angels are largely anonymous. That is an interesting part of the study of angels. The biblical record is a hesitancy 
about angels' names. Now, I would just give you one example, and it's in Judges 13, verse number 18, when Samson was born, Manoah, his father, was visited by an angel. And in verse 18, well, let me read verse 17. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? That when your words come to pass, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Now what I think that means, and don't hold me accountable, but I think it means, that angels are so far superior to man and they're so wonderful that if we had their names, it just wouldn't be right. It wouldn't fit until we are on the other side, redeemed by the grace of God and in the Lord's presence. Then we may be able to handle the names of angels. But for now, they are basically anonymous. Manoah asked his name, but he was not going to give his name interesting, and as you look through the Scripture, you just do not find names of angels except in very rare instances, which I'll touch on in a moment. Now, this makes me allude to a, one of the books in my library about angels, because throughout that book, this individual supposedly had visitations from angels who had names, and those names were continually recorded. Now, that does not seem to be biblical. That is not the way it happened with Manoah and many others throughout the pages of God's Word. So I just throw out that warning. I'm not seeking to be critical whatsoever. I'm just saying that that's not the way it is in the Bible. And whenever it's not the way it is in the Bible, I get a little skeptical. I draw back. I want to take a further look at it. Three things they're usually referred to. An angel an angel of the Lord, or an angel of God. Those are usually the terms. An angel of the Lord, an angel, an angel of God. They do not give their names, whatever those names may be. Now, the two names of angels that we are familiar with are Michael and Gabriel. They are named seemingly because they had extraordinary tasks in the economy of God. And it is believed by many theologians that one time in heaven the angels were divided into three parts, one-third under Gabriel, one-third under Michael, and one-third under Lucifer, the prince of the morning, the angel of light. And when, a, when Lucifer fell, a third of the angels fell with him because Jesus said hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, his angels. But we have Michael and Gabriel who in Daniel 8 through 10 had a remarkable task in making known the whole future to this unique man by the name of Daniel. Uh, let's just look at Luke 1, since it's going to be ever before us in the coming days. We're going to hear it, and we're going to be reading it, and we're going to be expounding from Luke chapter 1 over and over and over again. In verse 26, Mary was in her sixth month, and it says, The angel... Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. There his name is given. Why? Because it was such a profound time in the history of man. Gabriel is named. Let's take one more, Revelation chapter 12. Back to the back of your Bible. Revelation chapter 12. In this incredible chapter in the last book of the Bible, you have the woman, you have the child, and you have the dragon. 
These are unique figures in this passage of Scripture. And in verse 4, it says, The woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child, capital C, as soon as it was born, and she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Then in verse 7, And war broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels. So it seems that these magnificent created beings, Michael and Gabriel, had certain numbers of angels assigned to them, as did Lucifer. And they follow them, and they do their bidding, and they are like the captain of the host, carrying out major responsibilities that God has assigned. Any other names go beyond the biblical record. They're not listed. I want to say that and tie it in with my first point about biblical warnings about seducing spirits. Beware if people start giving you the names of angels. I would just say right out front, they are probably seducing spirits and they are not for your benefit, but they are as an angel of light to deceive and to devour. And you ought to make note of it and beware of it. These are the only names that are given to these angels in the Scriptures. They're usually referred to as an angel, an angel of the Lord, or an angel of God. Number four, angels are little described in Scripture. Now, Lisa said that they're usually male, and they're usually big, and they're usually strong, and I do not take exception to that. We would normally see that in our normal eye, but the Bible indicates that they're neither male nor female. Now, that is an interesting thing. And if you want a scripture on that, open your Bible to the 12th chapter of the book of Mark. Mark chapter 12, verse 25. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. There's an indicator. The Sadducees wanted to know about the resurrection. So Jesus was explaining to them as best he could the resurrection, and he said, when these people come from the dead, they do not come as male or female. They neither marry nor are given in marriage. If you're worried about that in eternity, stop worrying. But are like angels in heaven, the indication seemingly being that they do not come as male or female, they are just created beings of the Lord. Now, when we come to the Christmas program, we will have male and female angels. We always do. But we've got to keep it equal. This is a day when you have to be very careful of things like that. But know that we just don't know how to present them any other way. They're just angels, okay? And it appears from Scripture that because there is so little description about them, this one instance indicates from the lips of Jesus that they do not have sex as we realize we have man and woman in this era of time. Now, they may appear in the form of man after having said that, it seems from the biblical record that they can appear and do appear in that way. Now let me show you where some of that is found. Genesis chapter 19, verse 1. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Hear now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. 
Now jumping to verse 4, now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter, surrounded the house and they called to Lot and said to them, where are the men who came to you tonight? See, these were angels of the Lord. And they were pictured in this passage as men. And I believe the reason they come in that way from time to time is because of the strength and the power and the force that may be needed to be portrayed at that particular point in time. In the New Testament, the fifth chapter of the book of Mark, I mean the 16th chapter of the book of Mark and the fifth verse, when Jesus was risen from the dead, there entered the tomb a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, an angel of the Lord. A young man appeared in that tomb and declared the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, after saying they neither appear to be male or female in the general sense, and yet they appear in the form of man on occasion, I must add they may appear in dazzling apparel. There is something unique about how they come on occasion. Luke chapter 24 is an example of what I'm talking about in the fourth verse. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this that, behold, two men stood by them in shining or shimmering garments. Angels of the Lord. Why? Because it was the resurrection of Jesus. And I think there was splendor involved. You can go to the first chapter of the book of Acts for another example of this in the 10th verse. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Angels sometimes come in a dazzling form. I would add this fourth thing about angels having little description. They seem to never have age. Never do you see anything about age except young, a young man, appear that way. Sometimes there is just absolutely no indication of what age they might appear to be. Whatever the need demands. They never seem to be recognized by size, although we have indication that they have come as strong men and sometimes with size. It does not indicate that they're going to come in any given way in dress. They were obviously in some occasions very normally dressed, like in the case of Sodom and Gomorrah. On other occasions, they had dazzling apparel and were so remarkably attired that you could not mistake them. The Bible seems to leave this in a form that you cannot say they're going to be of such and such an age, of such and such a size, and they're going to be dressed in such and such a way. Isn't that kind of nice, that God just decides he's going to do it the way he wants to do it? So there's very little description about them. That's about it, what I've told you. Now, there's one final thing I want to touch on tonight, and then we're going to move to our final segment of the evening. There are specific roles for angels. And the most important one of all is praising and worshiping God. Now, I've talked about our protection. I've talked about how wonderfully God has provided angels for every child, I believe, that comes into this world, how he's protected us by angels on occasions, and we ought to be watching for angels because they may be strangers in our midst and we need to take care of them. They may be angels unawares. But the most important thing I want to leave with you tonight is this specific role of angels. Psalm 103:20, Bless the Lord, O you, his angels. Psalm 148, 2, Praise him, all his angels. Hebrews 1, 6, Let all God's angels worship him. 
Revelation 5, 11, and 12, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. Day and night, that is the sound going out from around the throne by angels of God that are there seemingly to give worship constantly and praise constantly to our God. I want to be like the angels in that regard. I want my lips to always be praising Him. I want their to flow from my life, constant gratitude and thanksgiving to God. I was thinking this morning of the story Jesus told about those ten lepers who were healed, but only one of them came back to say thank you. That is the way we are, and we need to imitate angels instead of man when it comes to praising and worshiping God. Let everything that hath breath Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Angels love to worship God. And one of these days, we're going to join them in that great heavenly chorus. And I'm telling you, that's going to be something. When there's already myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands, and we're going to join in. Woo! Awesome. One final thing. Angels not only seem to have the special assignment of worshiping God, but they have the assignment of announcing extraordinary events in history. The birth of Isaac, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, the call to Gideon in Judges 6, the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 1. Can you remember these highlight historical times when God sent angels to announce these unique and developing situations that would bless all of mankind. Angels. What a fascinating study. And what I want out of this meeting tonight is for, number one, have a discerning spirit in these days of deception and deceit. But number two, have your eye open for the real. Have a heart open for the true. Because in these days of deception and in these days of danger, we have angels that are assigned to bear us up in their hands lest we would dash our foot against the stone. I travel many, many miles. I keep a hectic schedule, and I want you to know that I am sustained by angels. I believe angels of God minister to me over and over again. It's the only way I would ever survive. I don't place them ahead of the Holy Spirit. I don't place them ahead of Jesus. I don't place them ahead of the, ahead of the Father. But I do know they are loaned to me for my good, as long as I am serving Jesus and I fear God, they are my special entities for care and strength and nurture because God loves me and he loves you too. And I want us to go out of here tonight just saying hallelujah. I'm not looking for boogeymen. I've got angels following me around. Hallelujah. They're God's emissaries. They're God's servants to his children. And we're going to make it because God has created them for our good, carrying out his wishes, lifting us, helping us, preserving us, and protecting us. Thank God. So never forget, down in our old church on one Sunday when God was leading us into some very unique things as a new, fresh thrust of ministry. I had not been your pastor very long when a lady 
came to me after one of our Sunday services. She wasn't a spooky kind of a person, a very normal, godly individual. She simply said, Pastor, I just thought I'd like to tell you that when we were worshiping God this morning, I just happened to look up and she said, I've never experienced this before in my life. But she said, I saw angels hovering over your head, over the platform area of our church. I literally saw them overhead as we were worshiping God. Nobody else saw them. God, I believe, gave her a glimpse of what I think is happening even now as I'm preaching to you. We cannot see them, but there are angels of God that are hovering over us, and they're going to walk with us out of this place and thank God they're going to ride with us in our cars. The way some of us drive, they had better. <laughs> and they're going to fly with us as we have to get in airplanes. They are there, lest we dash our foot against a stone. I thank God for what the Bible says about angels. Praise the Lord. Why don't we just thank him right now for his protection, his blessing, his help, his mercy. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're so good, Lord. You're so gracious to us, Lord. Oh, if our eyes could only see, we think of Elijah when he looked out and he said there are more for us than that are against us. And the servant could not understand it because all he could see was the Syrian host. And God opened his eyes so that he could see all of the angels that were out there ready to fight for the people of God. If we could only see sometimes, Lord, we would know that there is a host of angels. They're helping us. And we don't have to be downcast or downtrodden. We don't have to walk through life fearful and afraid. The angels of God encamp round about those who fear Him. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. 